Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I hope you had a wonderful, joyous Easter. It is Easter Monday, and I my heart is so full today. What a fantastic celebration of the resurrection of our Savior. And I've got my Bible open to Psalm 115, verse 3. It says, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. I, <laughs> I love that. My guest, uh, of course, to get my Monday started is my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese, who is uh, with us right now on our studio line. Patrick, welcome. Hey, thanks, Bill. I have the Bible open to John chapter twenty, just because it's it's the day after Easter, and you know, it's. I also love the way that John wrote, because he didn't refer to himself the way you know he wouldn't say. So anyway, you know, uh, Peter and I were 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 running toward the tomb. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, He's, he refers to himself as Peter and this this other guy, the <laughs> other disciple. I don't want to tell you. Who won? But Peter lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's and it's funny because yeah, just I don't know why sometimes things jump out at you, but you know he, when he's talking about it, just a, a paragraph earlier, he says, uh, "So uh, you know, Mary comes running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. In case you're wondering who it is, it's the one that Jesus loved, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> who is evidently a very fast runner." But, yeah. Obviously. Uh, of course, that's the cornerstone of our Easter celebration. It is indeed. You know, these passages. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, and we got to go. We went, yeah, we went the first time in over a year. Nice. Going to church live. You sent me a little clip of the joyful celebration from the service, and it looked like there was just the joy of the Lord, and everyone there was really exciting to see and to hear. Oh, it was like it, it was like a religious experience. <laughs> 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 yeah, almost at that level, wasn't it? Almost at that level. Yeah. It was <laughs> you want to know what I what really did sort of jump out at me. And and this is how you know how sometimes bad habits set in slowly. Uh and like let's say that you have the habit of working out and then maybe, you know, you skip a couple of days and you say, "You know, I I still feel fine. I still feel okay." And then as as time goes by, you don't really notice that you, your health and your fitness level seem to be deteriorating. <laughs> and it was the same experience of not being in church for me. Yeah. That I, I didn't realize, you know, we were watching, we've been watching it online. So I thought, well, we're not really, we're not missing anything. We're, we're getting the sermons, we're watching it online, and it's great. But when I was in the room, I said, oh my gosh, there's, I feel something different here. There is, there really is something that happens when you're here in the presence. Mm-hmm. I, I can't describe how I was just, there were times it was almost a tearful feeling of, I, th- I, I want to cry and hug people. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure a lot of people I'm felt sure that way. way. Yeah, it was, uh, they did 12 services for, they could have, they could have said, we're just going to do one service, but they did the 12 that they normally do for Easter so that anybody who has a normal time that they went, you had to make a reservation, but you could go to your, your normal service. So if you wanted to go to the Easter sunrise service at 6.30 in the morning, the, the preference of the Albanese family, um, 
you could have done it. I thought that was uh, very nice. So there was a interesting tweet that got deleted over the weekend, which was uh, an Easter tweet. And just because you delete it doesn't mean it ever goes away because it doesn't. It's been captured and it produced a fair amount of backlash, rightly so, for Reverend Raphael Warnock, the newly elected Democratic senator from Georgia. Mm. And I will read the tweet and you can gasp and your jaw can hit the the table when it when he said the meaning of easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of jesus christ whether you are christian or not through a commitment to helping others we are able to save ourselves oh no further questions your honor fortunately for you i'm wearing my elastic um (laughs) jaw grabbing chin strap (laughs) yeah that's that's amazing i wear that a lot uh, well, of course, without East, without the resurrection, there is no Easter. There is no Easter. There's no scripture. So, there's no faith. There's no hope. There's nothing. How, how, how could you say that, well, the meaning of Easter is more important than the resurrection. You say, but you see, this is a chicken and the egg thing, sort of. Mm. But without the resurrection, there is no Easter. There's yeah. no Christianity. There's, I mean, what would people say? Says, you know, there's this guy. And he had some pretty good ideas, and you should check him out. Or is it, you're not going to believe this, but uh, he's conquered death, and that gets your attention. Uh, you know, you and I have had this conversation where I go, you know, something happened to the disciples the, the, that last week, you know. On Palm Sunday, they're saying, can it get any better than this, right? This is this has got some good stuff going on. And then by <laughs> the end of the week, they're denying that they even know Jesus. Uh, they're selling him out. And after the crucifixion, they, they kind of— you might say, go into hiding. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily bold. That's that's my dog, by the I, way. I but he's, yeah. He's, yeah, he's echoing. You know, <laughs> yeah. He's sharing your thoughts. Yeah, he watched online yesterday. Okay. Uh, but uh, So then so something happened after uh, Jesus' resurrection that turned these people into, well, men willing to put their lives on the line mm-hmm. for belief in Jesus. And you would say this would have to take a really epic event to grab their attention like that and have them say, you know, I was really kind of comfortable trying to save my own hide uh, by, you know, just kind of going back to being a carpenter or whatever, you know, fisherman. That would that look like a pretty good career opportunity. (laughs) But instead, I'm going to go this direction and it's probably going to be the end of me. Mm -hmm. It had to be big. Yeah, but the second line of the tweet, Patrick, whether you are Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Under no circumstances can we save ourselves. And the fact that this a senator is uh, as a reverend uh, yeah. preaching in a church, that's pretty disturbing. Now, I certainly hope he makes a correction. I hope he comes out and says, this is, um, I made a mistake and this is what I believe and it's biblical because this is as unbiblical as you get i i think we can suffice it to say that every person on the planet would uh, be well served by following the teachings of jesus there's no question about that mm-hmm. but uh, uh to think that you know your uh, the ability to be saved is in your own hands almost by your deeds um that that could get some people to, uh, in a way, well, not in a way, but mistakenly think, I've done enough. I'm good enough. Well, you know, they're Stuart Smalley. You know, I'm gosh darn it. Yeah. I can get into heaven this way. There's a lot of religious so, people who great. feel they've lived oh. a good life. 
and they may not even have a personal relationship with Christ, but they hope that the measure, the scales in heaven will be tipped in their advantage. Wait, could you imagine if you had to, let's just say you had to comp- you know, put together your own scorecard. You know, imagine, imagine <laughs> for us, you, you, know, you make the case for me why you should get in. Just put together your own scorecard. Write down all these good things that you did that you think are enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not even going to hit you with the stuff that you did that would have easily canceled out all of these <laughs> supposed good things you did. But just you, I mean, could you sit there, can you imagine how difficult it would be to say, well, okay, what kind of, what counts as a, I got somebody, I got the door for somebody once. Can I put that on there? Mm. You know, and then if you'd say, well, then now we have to rate these items that you did. How many points does opening the door for somebody get you? A point? I, I it, it would be an impossible task. And I, I think you would have to come to the conclusion, I'm going to need a little bit of help here. Yeah, more than a little help, Patrick. And you and I both know that to be the only way to salvation is through the grace of uh, Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And because of yesterday, our faith is uh, is what it is. Yeah, uh, it was definitely an attention grabber. And, uh, you know, a couple thousand years later, people are still talking about it. How about yeah. that? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad uh, you got back and had a great service at church. I'm glad uh, attendance was robust, and it's really nice to have uh, people gathering once again and worshiping. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, you know, we're, you know, they take all the uh, precautions you have to take with social distancing, and, you know, they block off rows. And uh, like I said, we had to have a reservation, and we all were able to sit together. Um you know, parking was easy, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I, it was just so nice to be back into a place that you consider your one of your homes. Yeah. So when you have a reservation at church and you show up, what do you say? Albany's for five, and you hand the guy f- five bucks, or what do you do? We got we got moved up. It was a twenty because there were ten <laughs> of us. So uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's not like going you know to to one of those shows in Las Vegas. We say I really need to. See, it's Ben Vereen's on. I have to sit up close. I have to see Ben Vereen. <laughs> I actually did go see Ben Vereen, and I wanted to sit up close. And it turns out, during the show, he would come and he would dance on the tables, and oh. he danced on my table. Oh, fun! I got that close to Ben Vereen. That was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I said Ben Vereen is dancing on my table. How does yeah. that? You know, I'm just a kid. <laughs> yeah. So I listened to a little bit of Twins baseball yesterday. They played Milwaukee, and I do find it absolutely amazing that Bob Euchre, who's 87 years old, is still calling the Brewers play-by-play, and you would think the guy was 60. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say younger than us, but that's not possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you, so, th- you, know, you know, it's funny. You, so you had sent me that, and I, and I finally found the audio clip, and I thought, well, this must be a 30-year-old clip. It's not. It, it's not a 30-year-old clip. No. Because he's talking about current players. Like, oh, my goodness. He's, 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 he's. But you know what? While looking for that clip, I stumbled upon something. Uh, maybe you knew this about Bob Euchre or not. In his entire baseball career, he only hit 14 home runs. I know. And three of them were off of Hall of Famers, Gaylord Perry, Ferguson Jenkins, and Sandy Koufax. Wow. <laughs> so he... He and he would he said he would apologize to Sandy Koufax for hitting that home run. <laughs> you think it's like, I'm Bob Euchre. I'm not supposed to get home runs. You know? <laughs> and I hit a home run off of Sandy Koufax. Yeah, but so, I ha- but I have to say, 87 years old, 
it is remarkable to listen to him work. And watching some of these interview clips, it it also told me that you know he's really in line with one of those things that you say is is this what God put you here to do? Because you seem to be just moving in this, <laughs> you know, this spirit yeah. of this so is this is what I was made for. I yeah. actually was not that great of a baseball player, but somehow or another I'm famous. And then I became, you know, an actor and I did TV commercials and I was kind of silly and people loved me. And then I'm this play-by-play announcer that to this day, I'm sure you saw those uh, audio clips of all of the fans in Milwaukee trying to imitate him. They yeah. cannot do it. Yeah. Guy had, the guy has gifts. And of course, when you start to compare people at that age and you start to see how people naturally slow down a little bit, that has not been the case for Bob Uecker at all. It's been kind of fun to watch. It was funny. I, I watched an interview with him, and I thought, this is, he is as sharp as ever. <laughs> he really is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope when, I hope when we're his age, we are as sharp as he is, but, you know, we're not that sharp right now, so there you go. <laughs> I mean, well, so we've got quite a few years to sort of <laughs> get our act together. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Let me take a break, Patrick, and when I come back, I trust you'll be here. Fair? I'll be here, too. Oh, good, good. Patrick Albanese, my guest. We get things started a little bit on a lighter note. And I'm awfully glad we do because um, weeks are busy, and it's nice to smile and realize that we'll get through this week. We're very excited about this week, by the way. Spring share starts tomorrow. Can hardly wait. Be right back. Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. And that music is for Patrick Albanese, my guest and friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, you sent me a great quote by Thomas Sowell. Let me read it. We seem to be getting closer and closer to a situation where nobody is responsible for what they did, but we are all responsible for what somebody else did. Yeah. How about that? Doesn't <laughs> that make you a, a, a little bit nervous? Uh, I, you know, it's, I know how people like to talk about pendulum swinging and that, uh, you know, it's, it, we, we, we paint with broad brushes now. And so we we tend to have these euphemisms for be quiet, and uh, you know it's you know you're guilty just because you were. I mean Americans are guilty. You know it's it's interesting when you think about, you know they love to talk about how oh America is the worst when it comes to the climate because we use so much energy and we do this and we do this and we do this, discounting all the good that we do. So you're just guilty. You're an American, so you're wasteful. You're all kinds of things. And of course, you know, you can drill down into all sorts of areas where uh, it's, yeah, you know, when one person commits a crime and they say it's not their fault. And then the next thing you know, they're blaming it. They're saying what it is. It's a culture of something else that all of the rest of the people are guilty of that made this person do it. You know, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. A little backwards, huh? It's a little backwards. So. Yeah. I'm also thinking of summertime, which I'm looking forward to, and the baseball game this summer, the All-Star game, is getting moved out of Atlanta 
Yeah. And I know you've had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I, it's um, again, it's interesting. Marco Rubio uh, wrote a letter to um, one of the major league baseball commissioners and said and asked, he says, "Are you will you be, you know, uh, relinquishing your membership to Augusta Golf Club?" Uh, since, you know, George is evidently this terrible, oppressive place and you're yeah. trying to make a statement. And uh, are you going to be checking into, you know, what are the voting regulations in every other state? Because, you know, it's I had a discussion with somebody about this today and they said, well, they're getting rid of these, you know, voting drop boxes. I said, you know, I just found out that there were no voting drop boxes till the year 2020. This is the first time they've had them. So they're just moving them into, you know, certain locations. I, I, you know, it's a hundred page bill. I don't know if we can just automatically assume that everything about it is voter suppression. He said, well, what about the bottles of water? I said, I, you know, I, I don't know. I've never needed a bottle of water while voting, but, uh, <laughs> is that considered voter oppression? If, you know, if their concern is apparently the concern is, is that somebody would be doing some, you know, they might be wearing a, a shirt or they might say, hey, I'm just here from the so-and-so campaign. Here's some water for you. I, I think they're trying to eliminate this electioneering. I mean, there's, there's always more to everything than, than you know, usually meets the eye. I, I, I don't think you can just, you know, pass a loss. When I saw Major League Baseball jump on it, I thought, well, where are you going to put the All-Star game now? Because you, aren't you going to have to check the voting? Like, what are the rules in each place? I think every year, I guess it's in, in Toronto. Is that it? <laughs> also against Toronto? <laughs> I, I don't know. But they're going to, the city of Atlanta is going to lose a whole lot of money moving the game. And but then it, I, it, I hate to see baseball get political. I, I do too. And, and there was an interesting you know, side thing to it. Stacey Abrams, who was one of the people that was kind of pushing the, this is the, the, the most oppressive bill, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, got all upset when they moved the All-Star game. Says, well, no, no, I didn't want you to take the business away because it's her state. Uh, he said, well, you know, that's what happens. You know, you, you poked the beast and then somebody responded and said, here's what we're going to do. And your state lost, what did they figure? A hundred million dollars? That's what I heard. A hundred million. That's a, uh, that's a lot of money, I think, isn't it? I mean, it's. Well, maybe to you. <laughs> maybe. I'm in Christian radio. Uh, yes. I forget about that. I, I I still find it amazing that they hand you a blank check every week. <laughs> we shouldn't be making jokes about this the day before our spring chair. <laughs> well, I'll be the truth. Yeah, but you never fill it out, do you? No. You don't put it, no. You know I had to fire my omelet chef. Really? Yeah. I I think I remember that because they were. Uh, I believe first you <laughs> fired the omelet chef's maiden butler. <laughs> Oh. You said the, the cuts are going. <laughs> no, it, we run so uh, lean here. It's just a yeah. beautiful thing. It's a beautiful well, I thing. Think that's the, oh, it's also the beautiful thing about it is it's listener supported. I know. No, we watch every so, every cent around here. Yeah, uh, I, I in fact, I should. I wish I could put uh, Christian Radio in charge of my books. I think they would do a much better job. Yeah, my finances because they would say I don't think you need to be buying. You know, uh, a third mattress to stack on top of the other two. I think one is thick enough, you know. <laughs> so I don't want to get off the call, Patrick, without asking you a question about your how hard can that be story. I know you've got one for me. Well, you know that the the words that tend to get me into the most difficulty and are my learning experience are the, well, how hard could it be? That's how what gets you in trouble. How hard can that That's be? It. 
brain surgery. I mean, how hard could it be? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and I have been known to say this for many a year. And in fact, many of my friends often say, you know, remember the old life cereal commercial? He'll give it to Mikey. He hates everything. He won't like it. Uh, that was, people would always come to me and say, I doubt you can handle this, but eh. And of course you'd never say that to me. Right. So, uh, I had a leaking refrigerator water line and I said, what, how hard could this be to fix? <laughs> yeah. Seven trips to the hardware store yesterday to fix my leaky water line. And now it was amazing when you think about it. I only went to two places yesterday, upstairs, upstairs and downstairs in my house. I stayed in my house and the hardware store, and I put 7,500 steps in my step counter, <laughs> roaming the aisles, <laughs> looking for the next way to try and fix my leaky water line. And after I fixed one, it finally had the pressure that it has been longing for for months, and it blew out another one, and I had to fix that one, too. <laughs> but you bought seven, a blowtorch and tried to weld something? Seven. Pardon? You bought a blowtorch and tried to weld something? I bought a blowtorch and taught myself how to weld copper pipe. Yes, I did. And I was a little concerned because it was right next to a rafter. And I thought, it's chances are I'm going to set the house on fire. I said, that's okay. There's a faucet right here, except I had to turn the water off to work on the water pipes. So, well, I can actually put out a fire now that I think about it. I should have set aside a couple of buckets of water just in case I set the house on fire, trying to weld a pipe for the first time in my life right next to a somewhat brittle-looking old rafter that said kindling. <laughs> oh, boy, that's funny. Uh, but I survived. Yeah. And the water maker works better than it ever has. And I saved a 20-year-old refrigerator from having to be replaced because I am determined that my appliances will outlast me. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, here's a text that came in from a listener. He said, I'm not sure if this text gets in before your show is done, but I want to let you know I was rescued from drowning in Krishna River in South India by the use of a fisherman's net. I could have drowned easily as I didn't know how to swim. So, great well, story. Well, he's lucky he didn't get thrown back. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> we, were that, we were going for the carp, and we got this guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, amazing. In yeah, God's providence, wants, wants, in God's yeah. providence, he's in water and can't swim, and almost drowns, and he gets saved by a fisherman's net. And yeah. there's some purpose in all that that you went through that God has set aside for you to uh, use to His glory. So thanks for sending that in, and Patrick, thanks for joining me today. Always a pleasure. Yeah, glad that your house didn't go down in in flames with your your welding. <laughs> you should see the repair job, though. It's really nice. I bet it is. You always do nice work. Have a good rest of the day, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Talk to you then. Yep. Patrick Albany has been my guest. We'll take a little break, and the Monday afternoon mix is next. Pastor David Miles has just entered the studio. We'll be right back. We call that cool jazz. 
cool jazz. <laughs> oh, you did that so much better than me. Why do I even yeah. try? Why do I try to compete with David Miles? Pastor David Miles is in the house. I can't do it as well as you. Well, Bill's in the house. Rosie is Rosie's in, the, in house. the house. I am in the house, yep. and I can't yeah. do it as good as either of you. Why don't you try, Rosie? Cool jazz. That's not bad. There you go. There you go. Bad. So is, is there something about that you David know, speaking one, from the diaphragm? I don't or, know. David you know, one, Rosie two, Bill three. There we go. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. Now, let me just let uh, listeners know, Pastor David Miles is at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota, and also an adjunct professor right here at the University of Northwestern. So we just want to let all the listeners know just who you be. Well, thank you. And yeah, we're in New Hope, Minnesota, New Hope Church. More importantly, bringing and sharing New Hope in Christ and uh, we're a Christ-centered community for all peoples, moving towards Jesus and taking others with us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Your full heart entered the studio before you did. It did. Yeah. It did. Talk about it from yesterday. Oh, Your man. full heart. Full heart. I mean, like, you know, I hope it doesn't sound kind of strange, but like, you know, Easter celebrations and the resurrection is like... You know, bigger than the Super Bowl. Way Super Bowl, <laughs> Super Bowl Christianity. I mean, like, it's, like, totally cool because, I mean, like, Arnold Toybee once said, find the body of that dead Jew, and Christianity crumbles to its foundations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've had both lovers and, you know, um, and different, and you've had, you know, haters of of Christ, and the tomb is still empty, and it's still the year of our Lord is what it is. And so, Yeah. Beautiful. It was just a lot of fun. Um, it was neat to be in church to uh, see, especially since this kind of COVID period, to, to be able to see so many different people that you haven't got to see for a while. And, um, you know, we ended up going into an overflow room. And, yeah. And so just just really neat to, to see people. So like when Paul writes in scripture, you know, I long to see you face to face. There is something just, you know powerful about being with people and maintaining proper distances and just caring for people, but still, you know, being together and worshiping the King. How was it for you guys, Rosie? How was, how was your service yesterday? So we haven't joined back yet because of my husband's health. And so uh, we celebrated, you know, I don't know if everybody, everybody remembers, but last Easter we had a snowstorm and it was very monumental. COVID was just starting. And as a family that Easter, we talked about, you know, the, how the resurrection, how Jesus dying on the cross cleanses us of our sin, right? As the snow, you will be white as snow and I'll remember your sins no more. And so this year, now 365 days later, the four of us were gathered and we talked about the year and we contemplated all the changes that took place. And it was beautiful. It was a little sad because we all knew that there was a lot of people joining and we wanted to be there really bad. Mm-hmm. But um, we felt like God was just you know, meeting us in our simpleness. And so we, we talked about the um, what he was going through in his humanity, Christ mm-hmm. in his humanity, and our humanity over the year and what we went through and how we long for that celebration. So in our little household, it is going to be a really big deal when we get back to church. Yeah, I bet. And I'm, I'm not sure if everyone knows, you know, uh, Rosie and her husband are author of a book called Praying for... Uh, praying for a miracle while preparing a funeral. Almost, it's praying for healing while while planning a funeral. So yeah. Right. So yeah. it was a big story. It's it's really neat, and I yeah. 
I have that book on my shelf to be prepared to jump into, and I look forward to dialoguing with you about that. So, Bill, how about for you? How was? Well, it's a great reminder of what First Corinthians fifteen talks about. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. The powerful reminder of the glorious resurrection of our Savior gives us such joy, such hope, such renewal. Yeah, and and the, and the sweet part about it is, you know, a thing that we we regularly do, um, calling for eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. You know, and oftentimes when you're watching television and you see something advertised, they have a testimonial. You know, and so there are all these people who saw this risen Christ, and um, and the disciples who went on to live. Many of them died horrific deaths, and and never said, recanted and said no. They, they were like, no, Jesus is Lord, and I'm willing to give my life uh, for Him and for this reality. And you get to see the beauty of of transformation happen uh, in the lives of people. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful reminder that we need to go to the cross and reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sin and then look at the empty tomb and let our hearts jump for joy. Yeah, and I think there's just kind of a... Uh, you know, there's a neat, um, we're living in just really interesting times, like some really wonderful times, you know, actually to be alive, to see Christ at work as well. Um, I think people's hearts, even like in showing up yesterday, and people do come up for, you know, Christmas and for Easter. Um, you know, on my way over here, I was on a, on a phone call with um, uh, a young man that I got a voicemail from. And it was just a voicemail saying, hey, you know, um, I was, you know, passed on to you. Um, and I just have questions about my about my faith, you know. And I'm just wondering if you can you can help and help point in a direction. So if you want to remember me in prayer this week, um, these are really fun opportunities. But do be praying uh, for me as I connect with this young man uh, here in a couple days. And uh, we're going to we're going to talk through some things that are on his heart and minds. And um you know, uh, talking to another person where they they weren't exactly planning their week to to go this way, uh, and had a atrial fib situation where their heart was beating 180 beats a minute, and so there were there was some concern for them. You know, uh, so you know even even as continue to have these conversations with individuals, I mean, more and more we're we're finding. Um, that the ground has shifted for a number of people um, and even for those around them. And and they're seeing that not all is as firm as they think it is and we're able to point them to the rock of Christ who is everlasting, as the psalmist has said. He's an everlasting rock. He's a he's eternally faithful. And so that's, that's something really sweet. Mm-hmm. Was your message at church yesterday largely uh, evangelical, like, there might be a lot of first-time people in the church with with family, and they would be hearing the gospel for the first time. Yeah, I would say so. Matthew did a really good job. He unpacked uh, again, Math or Mark. His name is Matthew, mm-hmm. uh, but we were in Mark again, Mark sixteen, just kind of delving into 
the beauty of coming to that open tomb and just the celebration of it and the celebration of of who Jesus is. And, you know, I think one one thing that happens um, is we often um, will often kind of skip over things and not sit in something for a little bit. And what I mean by that is, is because we know the end of the story, uh, we don't sometimes stay in the moment of what the tension really is, you know. So as, you know, Mary and Mary Magdalene, the mother of Jesus, and Salome go to the tomb, you know, you have to realize this this is three years of time uh, that many of them spent with Jesus, you know. And the week before, triumphal entrance, dude's king, we're going to take over, you know, uh, singing about the Romans, another one bites the dust or something like that. And I mean, and so then for the week to end the way it did. Um, and and we had a sweet, um, we had a sweet Good Friday service. And uh, what I liked about what our team did is they really wanted us to sit in that. Even when we dismissed, they were, they gave some clear instructions of going out and not talking and just like letting that settle. Like mm-hmm. what, was it? I mean, you go from triumphal king to you're an enemy of the state. Well, and the discouragement. Yeah. Right? I mean, we're, we in our flesh know discouragement, but to picture their discouragement, they thought this was it in the flesh. Yeah. And Peter's like, you know, me? <laughs> I'll never deny you. No way. You know, I'm, I'm told to the death, you know. And so he's this, he's whole, and everyone else was like, absolutely, absolutely. And then within moments, um, you know, there's just a, a shaking. And, and Jesus, the, the beauty of it too is that like Jesus himself knew and even told them, you know, guys, you're going to, you're going to turn and burn and like you're, you're going to run. And so just the numerous ways that we've talked about before that Jesus still went to the cross uh, for a greater purpose for God's glory, of which we're immense beneficiaries of it. Um, that That's powerful. But just sitting there, so as these, as these gals come and they're wondering to themselves, like, who's going to move the stone, you know? Mm-hmm. And God had provided provision already for the stone to be, you know, to be rolled away. And in that stone being rolled away with those gals there as witnesses, you know, the angels we talked last week saying, you know, go tell the disciples and Peter. So in that moment, um, Peter's not there, but God has provided provision. And I think that that's a helpful reminder that sometimes though in the moment with our natural eyes and what we're seeing around us and experiencing, we might not see it, but that doesn't mean that God's not at work mm-hmm. and that he's preparing things and even arranging us uh, for how he wants to show up for his glory and for our good. Did Jesus exit the tomb before the stone was rolled away? That's a great question. Did he I, I'm, in, I'm in Matthew 28 right now. Suddenly there was a severe earthquake where an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. His appearance was was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were were shaken and became like dead men because they were so afraid of him. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's been raised. Sounds like he exited the tomb before the stone was rolled away. 
I think so. Could be. Or all at the same time when the earthquake happened? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it could be. Good good question to contemplate. It's, it's Anybody got some insight, let us know. We're open, <laughs> yes. to, we're open to answers. You know what? Always, uh, I'm just I, a student. I am too. Yeah. I feel like at the feet of a great teacher right now too. The um, What always surprised me about that passage was that the women came with all the burial cloths, and maybe because I'm more of a Martha than a Mary, they they just prepared and and they had to walk in expectancy that that stone would be rolled back. They didn't know how it was going to happen, and yet they prepared all the stuff and set out even before the sun came up. You know what what were they thinking? Like no matter what, we're going to get that moved, or God will provide, or were they just so broken that they just didn't think that far ahead? Well, you know. Maybe all of the above. I know that sometimes when we have conversations with people about grief, about not making major decisions within the next year, because mm-hmm. they can be very, you know, disorienting. Um, but also, they may have thought, hey, you know, hopefully someone will be there to, to roll it back or we could ask. Um, you know, in the passage before, you have guards sent there you know, to guard the tomb because... And and it's still it's still a story that's told around that, to put it in today's term, um, that you had a, a group of you know fishermen who routed you know the military's navy team still six in stealing the body of Jesus, and mm-hmm. it's like yeah not going to happen, you know, um, but but scripture says that the angel was there rolled the tomb back and it's like he's not here. You know, and, and this changes everything because death is a one-for-one correlation. You will be born and you will die. Um, and the question is that, or, or the statement really is, is that um, because Jesus not only said he would live uh, and die and raise again, and he did those things, that becomes the game changer. You know, it's no longer just like, hey, this is a great philosophy or a great maxim or, hey, that works for you. You know, and if that works for you, good. No, it it, it works for death, <laughs> you know. So it, it works with the death issue that all of us have, uh, and, and Jesus addresses the, the death issue and the fear of death, you know, and the consequences of death and the end of death. And so so that that's really, it's a very powerful thing, very salient thing. I love the afternoon show because I'm a student, and I'd say 96% of the questions get answered on this show. Not all of them. So we're still we're still digging into God's Word every day, and we're always going to come up with things that we're going to need to do further further digging on. Well, I love that you answer so many questions for me, Bill, too. So it's I wonderful. do my best, Dave. <laughs> all right. Monday afternoon mix. David, Rosie, Bill, we're going to take a short break and be right back.
Family Mix. Pastor David Miles, Rosie, me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> David, you know, it's a great thing about going to break as we do all this discovering during the break. You came up with something you're going to share with listeners. Can hardly wait. Well, you know, one of the things, and and Bill, you opened up with this, uh, the beautiful passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 15 um, about the gospel and, and uh you know, receiving a first importance that Christ died for our sins, you know, Christ died for our sins, that we have sin. We, we can't save ourselves, uh, according to scriptures, that he was buried, was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scripture, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, then more to 500 who are still alive. And then Paul goes on later on to say, but if uh, some have claimed that Christ isn't raised, and he's like, you know, if Jesus isn't raised, uh, you know, we are to be more pity than, than anyone else, that we should eat, drink, and die for, you know, tomorrow. It's it, you know. And so there are many who, who have that, that mindset when it comes to life, and they're kind of like, you know, here's the thing. I mean, like, life is short. You know, got to go for the gusto. And I would say, you know what, life is short. You know, you're right about that. And so uh, imagine with me for a moment if you have a steel ball and solid steel, it's the size of Earth, 25,000 miles in circumference. And every one million years, a little sparrow were to be released to land on the ball to sharpen its beak and fly away only to come back another million years later and begin again. So, so stick with me. It's a little, little bitty sparrow. Little bitty birdie <laughs> was released and came to sharpen its beak on a steel ball, solid, the size of Earth. Listen, by the time that that little bitty bird would have worn that ball down to the size of a BB, eternity would have just begun. <laughs> <laughs> so you're right. Life is short, and eternity is forever. And the whole of even why uh, this weekend that we celebrate it exists in the timeline of history is the question of, do you know Christ? Do you know him? Not just, not just things about him, but do, do you know him? And, and do you know that he wants to know you in a relationship um, where, where your life uh, is, is transformed? Um, you know, we continue being perfectly imperfect people, uh, but we have a loving God who lives and works in and through us because it, it's impossible to live the Christian faith apart from abiding in Christ. And so, you know, um, when you add it all up, like when, when you add it all up, we fall short. Um, you know, I, I have a neat guy, guy named Bob Hackle. He's my, he's my accountant. Got to spend time with him, and I'm so grateful that he knows numbers in ways that I don't and all the various laws that go with it with tax laws and how things are constantly changing. But, you know, when you, when you add it up, we, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't stand well. And people are like, Oh, you know what? Um, I, I really don't make that many, many mistakes. And I, and I remember DJ Kennedy, you know, one of the old, uh, ministers back in the day, uh, as Sharon, he says, you know, just imagine like you only sin, you sin once in the morning, once in the afternoon, once in the evening. Um, if you were to do that, that's, that's three a day. But at the end of the year, that's over a thousand. And, 
you know, if you lived 70 years and you were to, to set 70,000 charges of offense that you could say, yeah, that, that's me, before not a judge that can be bought off or, you know, but a holy God who's judge and standing at, and, and set that before that, that judge and say, come on, we'll just let this go. Well, Bill, do you think that's going to happen? No. No. You know, so the idea of, of, of serving up a sinful life to a holy God and him just winking at it, um, no. I mean, and that's part of the whole thing about Good Friday. God didn't just wink at our transgressions. He said, I'm going to give you my very best, my, my one and only begotten son. And so that, that shows the, the level of seriousness um, of, of what sin is and what sin does. David and Rosie, a passage that I have always kind of read and struggled with a little bit, and I'm back struggling with it again, is in Matthew 28, when you get to verse 16, it says, So the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Any thoughts? I'm waiting for the teacher right now. Yeah, I'm too. <laughs> he's, just so everybody knows, he's paging in his Bible. Oh, I, yeah, I was, I, was, I was turning. I mean, like, you know, earlier we, we mentioned this um, because a couple chapters back, you have, the, you have the, uh, the guards at the tomb in verse 62. The next day, that is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate, and they said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said while he was still alive after three days... I will rise, therefore order the tomb to be made secure. And so these are people that saw Jesus say who he was, hear who he was. They saw what he did, and, you know, they still doubt it, you know. And so uh, one of the things that happened um, is that the religious authorities, they they were kind of concerned about Jesus because, you know, he, he hadn't gone through all their schools. He hadn't, you know, docked you know, crossed all their T's and dotted all their I's. So even in the, in the midst of seeing Jesus at work, seeing Jesus do this in the lives of people, uh, they doubt it. And so, you know, that's, that's a reality that God can be actively at work in people's life. And they still may say, you know what, I'm not giving up the throne of my life, you know, to you. Um, you know, I, I know of a story that someone had shared with me. They, they prayed for a gentleman, um, had, a terminal situation, prayed, God moved powerfully. They said to him, you know, look what's happened in your life. And you, and the person acknowledged, yeah, I can't explain how I'm here. God chose to do that. And they're like, you know, are you, are you ready to give your life to him? And it's like, no, you know, knowing all those things. Yep. Nope. I know what God did, but no, nope, I'm still, it's, it's me, myself and I. And so that's one of the things that, um, you know, with the Pharisees who were just trying to be religiously pure, is is uh, is a uh, is a concern part something that we need to in humility approach because Jesus said to them, you know, you're an error for you know not the scriptures nor the power of God, and even these these that had walked with Jesus um, and spent time maybe associated with him um, still still doubt it. I mean. So, you know, you had Thomas, who was a doubter as well. 
And, uh, you know, but Thomas is the only person as well in his doubt that was invited to put his fingers into Jesus's side and his, his, the holes of his hands as well. So I'm not sure if that helped you, Bill, at all. It does help. It's just always helpful. Every time you come in, you, you help me. Well, I'm going to ask that the audience just continue to hold us in prayer because we really want to just delve into God's Word and we need His His wisdom. And, you know, anything that seems ch- chaffy, that doesn't make mm-hmm. sense, I often just pray, God, blow that out of people's mind. We want you to be like the Bereans, too, in the Bible, where they checked Scripture and, and they made sure to say, is what Paul's teaching correct? You know, so we want to make sure that that's a reality uh, as well. Um, so we we really count it a privilege uh, to be with you. So grateful, Bill, that, um, you know, for the way that God uses Faith Talk Radio and, uh, you know, uses KTIS stations and, and, and grateful for people because I have people come and say, hey, heard you the other day. And uh, we have a share coming up, don't we? It starts tomorrow. Oh, thanks, dude. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah, I appreciate please, that. Everybody check in for share yeah. tomorrow. Coming up in the next hour, uh, Professor Ken Samples will be with me. We're going to talk about the hiddenness of God. That's all coming up next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.